when when guys like him end up playing the way he's played this year, that's the way it should work because uh, he's a great human being. And did the Gamecocks get just what they needed last night at Colonial Life Arena on Senior Night? I was there to cover it. Matt Smith here with you for the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. You can check out my story at sportstalksc.com. Also got to speak with Frank Martin afterward. And what a win for the Gamecocks. Such an emotional Victory for for the for South Carolina as well because it was Mike Coatsar's senior night. Now Messiah Henry also celebrating senior night, but the focus on Mike Coatsart, who ended up leading the Gamecocks with 20 points and a game South Carolina had to have. 18th victory on the season for the Gamecocks, a quad two win, Mississippi State in the second quadrant of teams in the net rankings. So South Carolina, a lot of credit there. Now How about these quality wins for the Gamecocks, including Virginia, Kentucky, and now Mississippi State avenging a loss to them earlier in the season. We'll dig back into this one coming up in uh, our next segment, but I wanted to touch on baseball a little bit. South Carolina, 8-4 and right now, but really not getting it done at the plate. It took a two-run homer by Wes Clark in extra innings just for South Carolina to get past Furman. 3-1 3-1 to one yesterday. Their game with Boston College was set to start today, their series. That's already uh, been rained out as, as we're getting wetness all over the state of South Carolina. And, you know, the Gamecocks, they've got a couple of issues. Now, 8-4, and four, really dodging a bullet. You didn't want to be 7-5 and five this early in the season against the competition you played with that SEC schedule looming. Mark Kingston, after the game, was talking with John Whittle of TheBigSpur.com and, you know, said that they had had a pitchers-only meeting and the bullpen had been a problem. And Mark Kingston wouldn't give away the secret sauce, uh, said he didn't want his opponents to know what was going on. But essentially, he was telling John, and, and, and John Whittle posted that uh, from TheBigSpur.com, so we all got to share in it. And he said, look, you got to work both sides of the plate, and I'll tell you this, uh, in our pitchers-only meeting, the word attack was in there. And in the bullpen, you have to throw strikes. If you look at the most successful relievers of all time, how about Mariano Rivera, the Sandman? How about Dennis Eckersley? Those two come to mind. Go look at their strikeout-to-walk ratios. How about Trevor Hoffman? Um, go look at guys. When they close games, you can't give away freebies. You get yourself in too much trouble. Uh, a run. They used to say a, a base runner is a rally. Uh, in late innings. And so as a reliever, when you're coming in, the one thing you can't do is give free passes, the free 90s, as they say. You have to make them earn everything as a relief pitcher. It's important as a starter, but how often do you see starters kind of wiggle off the hook because they've got something left in the tank? Well, when you're a reliever, there's a lot of factors that go into that. The other manager, as you get later in the game, is more willing to make moves. So if you're a right-handed pitcher, you you know you might see a left-hander off the bench. Don't walk that guy. Make him earn it cold off the bench. So that's what Mark Kingston is working on. He's trying to get his relievers to attack. The stuff is there. We all know it. We've seen the, these guys throw. We know what level of pitcher Mark Kingston recruits. Now it's about execution. And for guys, 
you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, usually it's about mindset. Usually it's neck up. So Mark Kingston trying to put all his knowledge, all of his experience in baseball and knowing what he knows, what I just told you. Mark Kingston would have watched Dennis Eckersley. He would have seen the Sandman and Trevor Hoffman. He knows you have to throw strikes, and it's about attacking in late innings. In South Carolina, with the guys they have with good stuff, don't nibble, no free 90s. And he also said work both sides of the plate. And I remember a few years ago, the Braves, kind of there was a, uh, almost like, not an expose, but, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, just kind of a release of how they were training their pitchers. Like, you know, when guys like Russ Ortiz would come in and have a really nice uh, back half to his career with the Braves. What were they doing? What were they teaching? How were they game planning with those guys? And it was all about cha- throwing strikes, changing speeds, and work both sides of the plate. What a recipe. I mean, it's as easy as pound cake, but it works. The difference is, can you, do you have the command to do it? Can you change eye level? Can you change speeds? You see, changing speed sounds easy. That's two words. Well, that seems so easy. But to execute it, to be able to throw your breaking pitch for a strike on the first pitch, to have the confidence to snap off that curveball. Oh, now I'm ahead 0-1. Okay, now I'll go fastball. Well, I'm going to go fastball up and in, maybe. All right, I miss. So it's one and one. Well, I know I'm supposed to change speeds, but I'm going to change his eye level. I'm going to go fastball low and away. He was looking in. Now it's one and two. Now I have either my changeup, curveball, fastball to go back to. It's one and two. He's off balanced. I've already changed speeds, and I've attacked and worked both sides of the plate. Now, It's easy to talk about it. You and I can say that, but it's not a video game. You have to actually execute it and have the physical confidence to throw your breaking ball in fastball counts and your fastball in breaking ball counts. Easier said than done, but Mark Kingston knows it's the formula for success for his bullpen arms. So that's baseball. They're 8-4, and rained out against Boston College. Let the sun come out, and we'll talk more baseball. Right now, we'll take our first break, and when we come back, We've got Frank Martin audio from last night. I was in the press conference with Frank. Uh, Got a big win. Win number 18 over Mississippi State. A very physical club. And we'll talk about how South Carolina did it. How much good it did them in terms of their pursuit of an NCAA tournament berth. And what they need to do to keep this positive momentum rolling. We've also got a little spring practice talk to Kerry and Joyner comments coming up in our third segment. So we're covering all the bases here, figuratively, literally, and otherwise. All right, baseball, hoops, and spring practice. It's all here on your team every day, the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Black Garnet Daily because it's Locked On Gamecocks. Matt Smith back with you here on Locked On Gamecocks, and I was at the game last night covering it for Sports Talk. Um, 
South Carolina picks up win number 18, 83-71 over Mississippi State. Now, not a big-time crowd last night at the Colonial Life Arena, but, look, emotional and energetic. Uh, And South Carolina kind of rode that momentum. You know, it's another easy thing to say. We were talking about easier said than done uh, in our last segment. It's an easy thing to say teams play better at home than on the road, but why? And it's, it's that emotion that the guys defend with. And South Carolina was so intense last night defensively. And when you've got the length South Carolina does, look, they're not always going to be smooth offensively, but when you've got that length that they do, A.J. Lawson out front, Jermaine Kuznard's quickness. How about Keyshawn Bryant's athleticism? Mike Coatsar's intelligence in that 6'11 frame. Alonzo Frank's girth and strength. You start adding all of those elements up and the components that Frank Martin uses to throw at a team uh, you know, defensively. And you can see why it's difficult to get into a rhythm against South Carolina. Now, on the other end, South Carolina, as I said, they have to get it done by hook and crook offensively. It's about ball movement. It's going to be about opening plays up for each other because no one right now, Kuznard maybe in the future is going to be a great one-on-one player. A.J. Lawson really doesn't handle the ball well enough uh, to be a great one-on-one player. Uh, The athleticism is there. Same goes for Keyshawn Bryant. He just doesn't handle it well enough right now to break people down off the dribble penetrate the defense and make plays for himself and others. So he has to rely on Kuznard and Lawson and Kotsar, who's who's a terrific passer as a big man, to set him up. So that's why it's hard to watch sometimes South Carolina offensively. Oh, and yeah, they're not great from the foul line either. But what a win last night and, and absolutely when they had to have it. Now, uh, we also heard from Ben Howland last night, the Bulldogs head coach. He's got his team right there, right there on the inside of the bubble. South Carolina probably on the outside looking in. Ben Howland right there on the inside of the NCAA tournament bubble. And what he said last night about playing Frank Martin's teams is, playing Frank's team is worse than a root canal. It's like a dental implant. They drill into your skull while you're awake. That's what it's like to play Frank's teams. I'll tell you, no one wants to play them right now. And he's right about that. This time of year is when South Carolina makes its money. Frank, the reason they had that Final Four run is because the physicality, the defense, Frank's intensity, that wins this time of year. So South Carolina just trying to get into the big dance, and then no one's going to want to see this team. Now, as far as the emotions surrounding Mike Coatsar and his swan song at South Carolina – uh, Frank Martin had a lot to say last night about Mike Coatsar, a player that you've seen grow in his four seasons. That freshman year in the Final Four run, when he was just you know just one element to uh, you know a cog in the machine that that was featuring Cinderius Thornwell, PJ Dozier, Chris Silva. But now look how he's grown. And Frank asks us, did we ever think we'd see Mike Coatsar doing? what he did last night, making the kind of plays he was making. Did you ever think you see Mike Coatsart dunking alley-oops? That's how confident he's playing right now. That's, uh, um, I got mad at him because he kept taking that open 17-foot jump shot because I wanted him to draw, because Perry had four fouls, and I wanted him to drive Perry. Then the timeout ended, and I was like, Frank, the guy's like made 60% of those shots this year. Just shut up. Let him keep shooting. You know, it's, uh, um, uh, so I'm, he's awesome, man. He's a great teammate. Been a great teammate since the day he got here. And no coach, I didn't think I'd see Mike Coates are throwing down alley oop dunks. I, I 
figured he'd spike himself if he tried to do that. Um, but Mike Coates are the guy. You know, we don't necessarily know him. We get to sit there and interview him, and, and then we learn about him through videos, and we know that his family from Estonia is with him now, and it's all very emotional. But the relationship between, between coach and player, it's a special one because of the time they spent together and because of all the friction that's there. You really get to know someone over time when you're a player and a coach, that relationship. Um, you see each other in a, in a different way, maybe even than your friends do. And Frank Martin had a lot to say about Mike Kosar, the guy, and what this team's going to miss the most about the big Estonian once he exits the program after this season. Who he is every single day. Like, he comes to practice, and he learned it from Sundarius and Sin, and then now he does it, never comes out of practice. If I don't tell him to get out, Mike, go stand on the side, help the young guys that don't know their names right now, help them. And But he, he just doesn't come out. Who he is every single day, even in that difficult moment I spoke about last year, that was in private between he and I. When we practiced later on that day, no one on the team would have known that he was battling himself because he, he, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a joy to be around. He, he, you know what? He, he's too nice a kid. And he's a man now. I, mean, I keep calling kids because you meet them when they're 17, 18 years old. But he's a man. He's, he's too nice. You know, he, he's, he, uh, but that niceness, that, that spirit, that's what we're going to miss. You know, it's uh, the points, the rebounds. Someone else figures out how to score and how to pass and rebound. That's just the way the world works. But that spirit that he brings, that uplifting spirit that he brings every day, win, lose, whether he plays well, doesn't play well, he brings that positive enthusiasm in there every single day. And that's uh, uh, when, when guys like him end up playing the way he's played this year, that's the way it should work because uh, he's a great human being. And I think you can feel it there. Um, what it's like to go overseas, recruit someone, get to know their family. Can you imagine how much Mike Kotsar must have leaned on Frank Martin early on, being from Estonia and now here in the United States? So you could tell, special, special relationship there. And finally, let's talk about the team as a whole. That was senior night. That was tough. South Carolina dealt with the emotions and, and got Mike Kotsar a lot of shots, by the way. The reason he scored 20 in large part was because uh, his teammates were looking for him throughout the night. Uh, Jermaine Kuznard, special last night, 10 assists, no turnovers. So he was looking for Kotsar from the outset, and I think it helped shape his game, helped control uh, and stabilize the offense because they were looking for Mike Kotsar. That was a good thing for the, the team overall offensively. Um, led to a couple of uh, – Keyshawn Bryant dunks. He was looking like a left-handed Dominique Wilkins last night, uh, electrifying the Colonial Life Arena. But now, what does this mean for South Carolina? Well, they sit fifth in the conference standings, all right? But Florida plays tonight, and South Carolina is kind of a half-step back to Florida. They lost to them earlier this season, so that puts South Carolina in a flat-footed tie in fifth place. But, but now let's dig into it a little bit. Uh, they're tied with Mississippi State, and the first tiebreaker is head-to-head. Well, they've split their meetings. But South Carolina has a win over Kentucky. If Kentucky finishes in first place in the SEC, South Carolina wins that tiebreaker. Okay, so they're fifth all by themselves. So if Florida loses and comes back behind South Carolina, Florida has to lose their next two games. South Carolina would have to beat Vanderbilt Saturday. That would put South Carolina in the top four, meaning a double bye. What would that mean 
to Frank Martin. Told you guys last year, I'd like to coach on Saturday one time in this conference tournament. And uh, we, we've played on Wednesdays, we've played on Thursdays, and we've lost on Fridays. And uh, sometimes we entered the tournament on a Wednesday, and we've entered the tournament on Friday a whole lot lately. Uh, it'd be awesome. I mean, it'd be a great achievement uh, to be able to say that you're a top four team again. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those guys that I, I really don't sit around and, and and says, can you believe they don't think we're any good? Well, I really don't care. But everyone keeps picking us every year in the bottom three of the league. Uh, I think these players deserve a lot of credit that, that we're in that conversation uh, to, to possibly end up, you know, top four or five in the league. So a big win for the Gamecocks, and one they really, really needed, and they got it. The defense showed up, held Mississippi State to 38% shooting, forced 14 turnovers, did what they needed to do. Now they've got to pay it off with a win on the road at Vanderbilt Saturday. Now I talked, you know, we just heard Frank Martin talk about the potential of a double bye and, um, you know, and, and maybe lack of respect for this program, but look, if the Gamecocks simply finish fifth or sixth, whatever it may be, they get a, they get the first buy in the SEC tournament. Look, there there's an argument to be made. It may actually help South Carolina more not to get the double buy because with the double buy, think about that. You're going to be playing a quality team if South Carolina beats Vanderbilt. Let's say Florida wins another game. So South Carolina, or I'm sorry, South Carolina were to beat Vanderbilt and Florida loses its last two games. Okay, they get the double buy. Well, now you could end up playing a team like Florida after that double buy. So South Carolina would be 19 and 13, 11 and 7 in the SEC, and then playing a quality team after the double buy on a Saturday. Well, that's great in terms of moving up the ladder in the SEC tournament, but you lose that game, now you're 19 and 14. Now start doing the math. That net ranking doesn't improve. You could be better off finishing fifth or sixth, getting one bye, and then playing a team in in the second round like Georgia or Vanderbilt that you can better handle. Then you get the victory, go to 20 wins, and maybe, maybe inch up that net ranking just a hair. And then, of course, there's going to be attrition. Some other teams will take bad losses across the country. So that's just another way to look at it, South Carolina. I'd, I'd... I am stuck a little bit on them getting to 20 wins. I feel like 20 wins means they won't be ignored in that committee room. That's what I think. I think they I'm not saying they'll make it, but I think that they would not be ignored. They would be there would be fierce discussion because you have old school guys in there that say 20 wins, wins over Kentucky, wins over Virginia and, and Arkansas and Mississippi State and Texas A&M. This is a good club. This is a good club. They play defense and when they go to the the NCAA tournament, they perform well. South Carolina's a tournament team. But at like 19 and 14, with a lower net ranking, it's a harder... I Look, it's a mental hurdle, 19 to 20 wins. I'm not even suggesting there's logic there outside of the fact that I think 20 wins will ignite some people in that room that are old school to fight for a team that's won 20 ball games, that defends, that's playing well at the end of the year, and has big-time wins on the road, out of conference, and in conference. That's a resume. 
And that's a fight I'd be willing to have if I were in that room in the committee. So get to 20 wins, South Carolina, however you do it. A big step in that direction. Can't do it without beating Vanderbilt and getting win number 19 coming up on Saturday. Now, how about football? Well, uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about the Combine, the Draft, Javon Kinlaw, Brian Edwards. We'll do that with Scott Wright of NFLDraftCountdown.com. But most recently, I had the chance uh, to be in a media gaggle asking questions to DeCarrie and Joyner. Now, I asked him about the return game because I'm fascinated by DeCarrie and Joyner's potential uh, to contribute to South Carolina as a kick returner and a punt returner. But we'll get to that in a minute. First... How about DeCarrion simply on that switch to receiver and if he ever considered transferring out of South Carolina? Um, this is home. Um, I think since, since my ninth grade year of high school, I kind of established uh, the state of South Carolina. I kind of wanted to take it over. I made a high school. Um, this is my home. You know, I want to continue to stay here and I want to continue to take it over. Um, I, knew, I always knew I wanted to be here. You know, so whatever whatever way I could stay here and, and, and be the best way I could be the best person I could be and the best person on the field to create better opportunities for me in the future, I did. This is home, DeCarrion says. Um, he planted his flag. Uh, he's from the state of South Carolina, obviously, but uh, and was an outstanding player in uh, high school, the South Carolina Gatorade High School Player of the Year, Mr. Football South Carolina. Um, and I watched him perform. Uh, Shrine Bowl practice and in the Shrine Bowl and it took in all his tapes and I always thought his future was somewhere other than quarterback now that was not simply because of his athleticism um, it was also just a fit um, depending on you know what offense was going to be run and what South Carolina needed he may very well have been the fit at quarterback at another school but I felt like DeCarion could best help South Carolina where they are in the development under Will Muschamp and the types of quarterbacks they had coming in if he could do something else now what that something else was we didn't know we assumed it'd be something like receiver um I, I like him in the return game as I've mentioned but Joyner sees you know look he thinks he can do it he thinks he can play as a receiver uh said he's been watching Shy Smith uh you know work on his footwork uh work on his route running and you know we've seen a lot of receivers transition from quarterback to wide receiver and have a lot of success there because of their knowledge. Uh, Ronald Curry's an, an example um, played in the NFL. How about uh, Antoine Randall L., who was a quarterback at Indiana, went on to have a big time career uh, playing wide receiver for the Steelers. They did it with Heinz Ward as well, who had been a quarterback, running back, wide receiver. At Georgia, but that knowledge of being a signal caller, seeing it from that perspective and knowing what a quarterback needs, I, I think it's about availability. One thing that wide receivers, it's hard for you to understand unless you've played quarterback, is that availability. And, and by that, I mean kind of the coming back to the ball and what you see. I mean, a, a wide receiver may beat his man on the pattern, on a double move, but because of the trash in the pocket, the inability of the quarterback to get a good platform or step up or just get vision, just to know what's going on out there uh, beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, there's arms flailing everywhere. You've got progressions to go through. So a receiver may be really, really adept, so talented at beating his man. But is he available? And I just think former quarterbacks often have a knack for coming back to the football uh, and helping their quarterback out. And they just know what quarterbacks need, making the throw easier for them. Uh, Julian Edelman in the NFL, 
uh, a former quarterback. And he's just always available, it seems, to Tom Brady, especially in big moments. He just seems to know how to find the soft spots in the zone and how to get in the line of sight of a quarterback. And I think that comes from having the perspective of being a former quarterback himself. So I think that helps Joyner in the long run. And here's to Kerry and Joyner on what he thinks he looks like as a receiver and what he brings to that position. How's that going? Um, I think I'm explosive. Well, I know I'm explosive. Um, explosive. Uh, I'm with the, with the ball in my hands. I'm electric. I think everybody knows that. Um, I just got to get the the basics down, the 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 route running and stuff like that. And once I get that down, I think it'd be over with. So, Joiner is electric. He says. Now, how about on what uh, we talked about? How he's watching Shy Smith in the footwork. How about what on what NFL receiver to carry on Joiner is watching to help him transition to wide out? Debo. I'm not gonna lie, to you. Debo Samuel, a very electric guy, um, a guy that after after he catches the ball, yak yards and stuff like that. Um, I always watch Debo. Um, other than that, I mean, I've never really <laughs> looked into other receivers, you know. Um, but but definitely Debo Samuel. Well, here's a short answer, but I had to ask to carry on Joiner. You know, what's the potential that you can contribute in the return game? Can, you know, you used to be a quarterback. You're not used to fielding punts. Can you do that? It's natural for me. Um, I think that's a God-given ability and I'm thankful for. Um, not really that much. It's just natural. It comes natural. I just got to continue to get the fine details down and I think I'll, I'll be good. That would be exciting to see. Just just consider what it would look like if DeCarrion Joyner and Shai Smith or, or Joyner and J.C. Horner back returning kicks for South Carolina or Joyner and Marshawn Lloyd. How about that uh, if Lloyd can handle that kind of workload? So a lot of pieces that Will Muschamp has to move around, and uh, Travaris Robinson and Brian McClendon are going to be doing a lot of work with the special team re- returners. Um, and, of course, Rod Wilson's got a hand in special teams as well. And you know how important special teams are in, at the NFL level um, and how seriously they take field position there. So he's bringing that perspective to the club. Should be interesting. Finally, we'll leave you with this. Here's DeCarry and Joyner on what he sees out of new teammate Luke Doty, uh, somebody that he knew in high school, and now Doty's coming in. What kind of quarterback is he going to be, and will he mesh well with the system that Mike Bobo's brought? Uh, very, very smooth guy. Very smooth. Of course, fast. One of the fast guys on the team. But um, one thing I've seen him, he's very confident. And I think that um, that's going to take him a very long way just coming in this early. You know what I'm saying? Just think about myself coming in that early and comparing it to him. He's he, he's very, very confident, and, and he's moving pretty well. Hearing Joyner talk like that just makes me anticipate seeing these guys on the field together that much more. South Carolina football is going to be very exciting. I love that they've got a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive scheme, and exciting players like Shai Smith or Trey Smith to carry and join her on the outside. And then you've got the quarterback matchup. Will it be Luke Doty? Will it be Ryan Helensky picking up on what Mike Bobo has brought? Or will it be Colin Hill getting healthy and, and having the inside track based on his history? at Colorado State with Coach Bobo. All that's coming up, you know, later in spring, through the spring game, the battles will continue. It's going to be so much fun to watch. When we come back tomorrow, we're focusing on the draft, and we have got some audio coming to you from Zach Pickens. You're going to like this. Uh, Got the opportunity to pick up some audio from Zach Pickens today, so he's getting to talk to the media for the first time. Uh, because he could not talk as a freshman, you're going to like Zach Pickens and his attitude. And 
the the future could be bright for South Carolina along the defensive line if Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch live up to their billing as recruits. We'll do that tomorrow. Stay with us. Be sure to subscribe to us. It's your team every day, Black Garnet and daily. This is Locked On Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.